0: We're in a series, I know it says part one today, that's because I did an introduction last week and I called it an introduction to this idea, all things new. And uh, in this series, we're going to be looking at all things new uh, and how we get do-overs. We sort of talked about that, but I want to talk about the idea of being new creations and and get a new perspective on things. And uh, it's in this sort of, you know, idea of a new year that we talked about last week. Uh, And, you know... See, because, like, some of you made some resolutions five days ago. How's that going for you? (laughs) Some of you okay, but a lot of people were like, yeah, that lasted a day. I I like to get up and walk uh, in the mornings, and uh, I I exercise, I walk and ride a bike, sometimes I run, do all those things, and I, I noticed on January 1st, there was, like, three times as many people walking as there normally are, and then I noticed on January 2nd, it was right back to the normal amount of people. We had, that, we had that happen once we went on a cruise. And uh, on the first morning of the cruise, I got up and went down to the gym to work out. And the place was packed. I couldn't get even a machine. And then after that, the place was empty every morning that I went. And I said, I know what's happened. That first day, all these people are saying, we're going to exercise so we don't gain weight on this cruise. And by day two, that was over. <laughs> but here's the thing. What we did talk about last week was the idea of a fresh start. And I said that there is there is something that's required for a fresh start, for a do-over for all of us, and that's to follow Jesus. And we, we looked at a couple of stories last week in the Gospel of Mark about following Jesus and people who chose to and people who didn't and the difference in their lives. And so I, that's kind of the the overall idea of, of this series is what it means to follow Jesus and what that looks like. And today I want to talk about the Bible. I always talk about the Bible, but I want to be one of those days where I encourage you in the beginning of a new year to really dig in to the Bible and to just really make it a part of your life. So we're going to be heading into that together. That's the intro transition. Always a bad joker to Well, these are quite bad. The year 2020 is going to be filled with so many puns about perfect vision. I can, I can see it now. Some of you groaned even before I got to the crunch line. That's how bad that was. Listen, this what word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it? Short. That's funny. Work it out. This one I probably shouldn't do because I've. Almost been booed out of here, but I like it. Joey's father was born with a conjoined twin, but the doctors managed to separate them at birth. So Joey has an uncle once removed. See, that's what I mean. There's an edge, there's a place. and um, I, I like it because some people get embarrassed for me and I can see it. That's almost the funnest part. Oh, I can't believe he said that. Apologies to the visitors. Let's move along. Scripture reading. This is a great passage of Scripture. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. I know I say that a lot, but I, we're going to dig into it together. This is out of Jonah. We've uh, got the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2. Um, and so here we go. Uh, now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish... Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, powerful passage of scripture, but here's something that I want to say. Is that there's a problem, not with the scripture, but with what a lot of people are doing nowadays, and I, I get these reports from places, is that there are people who present that kind of story from the Bible as something that didn't actually happen they they begin to teach from the Old Testament and from parts of the New Testament as if the entire thing is all stories that were written uh, in, as allegories that these events didn't take place, but they're written so that we can learn from them, and that was the whole point. And unfortunately, there's a lot of places where that's sort of beginning to take hold, and that's not reality. And as believers you need to be able to look at and read through the things that God does in the Old Testament and understand that these are historical events, that these things actually happened. Now, there are some stories in the Bible, but they're pretty well always told you that this is a story. Jesus teaches in parables. Parables, sometimes those are allegories, those are stories. We need to understand that. But but let's not confuse the Old Testament miraculous events of God and start to write them off as sort of fables or myths. Uh, Because what happens when you do that is you... You, you start to lose sight of how big God really is. See, if God's not big enough to provide a fish that can swallow somebody and spit him back out again, your picture of God is too small. And, and you're, you, you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to manage God, put him in a box, and then we, we sort of want to take our natural understanding of how we look at the world and make that work. But, but God is supernatural. He's beyond that, and we never want to lose sight of that or, or we're missing out on who God is. Some years ago, uh, There was a man coming to church uh, and he'd been coming for for a while, uh, several weeks at least when he came up to me. I I remember uh, we had the conversation in the back corner and he said to me, hey, I've got a question for you. I said, "Okay, go ahead. He said, "Um, uh, is it all right if I come to this church if I don't believe in God? And I was like, absolutely, because I consider that a win. You know what I mean? And I'm, I want to go I, and, you know, what I want to say is keep coming because I have a feeling the Holy Spirit will, will just get a hold of you if you keep coming. So, yeah, you can come. He said, oh, that's good because I like it here a lot. But he said, but, you know, I, I read the, he's he read the Bible. He said, I, and so he said, do you, do you read? Do you believe in the Bible? I said, yeah, I believe in the Bible. He said he picked up this story. He said, so you actually believe that a guy gets swallowed by a fish and, and he gets spit up on the beach and all those things happen. And I said, I absolutely believe that that happened. And, and that, see, that's how we need to look at the scripture. Now, there there's some things you might say. Let me say, first off, for believers... Um, that it's absolutely vital that you understand that to be a historical fact, that story. And the reason that I can say that like that is because Jesus believed that that actually happened. And you can read in Matthew 12, and you go and look at it, and Matthew, and Jesus actually cites that story as what happens in the process, and he said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed it to be a historical event. He's Jesus, so Let's just figure he's got a better handle on things than we do, right off the bat, right? And, and if he's not divine and all those things, then he got bigger problems than that whole process. So he's, he says that, and so he backs that up. Now, where people s- start to struggle is, well, what kind of... And, and they've always seen that story as Jonah and the whale. That's how it's only presented. But the original language doesn't actually say whale. It says great fish. It says fish, and then there's a great in front of it. I, was, I always want to go Scottish. a Great fish. And I don't know why... <laughs> I don't have any idea why that happens to me. It's a great and grand fish. Big fish pops up. Swallows Jonah. Is there fish that are capable of doing it? Actually, naturally, there are fish that are more than capable of, of swallowing somebody whole. It, they've been caught and found and existed. and We're not sure it was there, so that can happen. Well, they, well, you know, how could they stay alive in the belly of a great fish? And um, when you read that fairly carefully... Um, it, it could be, it's very possible, you know, it's a miraculous thing that God kept him alive in there, but even if he didn't, the, the language is such that, you know, that God has in the past resurrected people from the dead, right? We see it happen. It could be that he died. Cause it says at one point he cries out from the, the depths of the grave to God in, in the story. So whatever it takes. And, and then at some point he's vomited up on the beach. Now, um, See, the whole problem, the whole story, if you go and read it, was God wanted to get a message to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were not nice people at all. They were horrible people. They did horrible things. But, but God was extending them an opportunity. And he said to Jonah, I want you to go and preach to them about who I am. And Jonah hated the Ninevites. And in effect, what Jonah says is, No, God, I know what you're going to do. You're going to give them, you're going to give them grace. And I hate them. I'm not going to tell them about how good you are. I don't want him to hear how good you are because I know exactly what you do. You're going to cut him a break. And he said, "No way." And so that's how the story got started. Jonah's going in the opposite direction, and a storm comes up, and he hops into the well, he gets tossed in the water, kind of. And uh, God provides this great fish to swallow him up and move him in the right direction. And when he gets spit out on the beach, if you read the description, he's kind of bleached out. He's been—you probably don't look great when you get popped out of the. But the Ninevites saw him get spit up on the beach. And then he's got this pretty amazing story. You know what happens? The Ninevites go, yeah, we repent, God, you're good, we're in. (laughs) The whole nation gets changed, just like that. But see, I, I want you to read the scripture like that. I want you to embrace the, the, the word of God. I, 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 I think we take too often people are pulling apart at the, the, the Bible and what it stands for and who God is and they're trying to manage God. God is so big, he can he can take care of situations like that. He can move into those things. Absolutely, he could provide a fish that could swallow a man, spit him up on a beach. Several years ago There was an oil spill the BP oil spill a lot of you were here when it happened or if you didn't see it It impacted us significantly down here As You can imagine a lot of our commercial folks and everybody was and they had that annoying picture on the TV that like Stayed there in every show for days it just showed the oil spilling out And remember the picture It was like it's bad enough Do we have to constantly see it with a countdown of how many days and how many then there was how many gallons were pouring into the water? And it was a bad situation. I'm not making light of the situation. I know it had an immediate impact that caused a lot of problems. But as this thing was going on, um, something happened, and I saw this story. Uh, 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 it was in the in the internet somewhere. It was a small story. It wasn't gaining any national attention or anything. But what had happened was that a microbe that they had never noticed before had shown up out of nowhere and was eating this oil and changing it into something else. Now, they knew about some other microbes that weren't very efficient. They knew about those. But no one had ever seen this particular microbe before, and it shows up from the depths, and it's extremely efficient at eating oil. And I'm like, I can't believe nobody's talking about this. To me, that would have been national news, right? Hey, guys, uh, and, and they probably wouldn't have said it this way, but I want to say it. Yeah, God sent a microbe in to take care of this situation. In my mind, it's like Pac-Man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> And they change the oil into useful things, they, they, nutrients. And so um, I, I went at that time after I'd read this to, we have a scientist at church who's a, a world-renowned marine biologist. God actually showed him how to save the reef. And I, I won't let it go to him. You know, I don't want to embarrass him or anything. But, um, and he was here last service, and I purposely didn't look at him. But, uh, but I went and talked to him about it. Because I said, look, what's going on here? Because he believes in God. You know, you know, he told me something one time that a lot of scientists believe in God. But they get silenced by all the other stuff, but they know that it's got to be God that's out there doing these things. So he said, yes, yeah, not only is that true, he said, but the end result is that when this process happens, it creates these nutrients that are good for the food chain. And and what's going to happen is it's not going to be less fish after all of this There's going to be way more fish because there's going to be way more stuff in the food chain for them to grow on. And I, I see what I'm shocked about is it didn't make it anywhere. And I went and Googled it the other day. You can still find an article in there if you if you go microbes and BP oil spill. But it comes, it's something they had never seen before. And God does it. It wasn't a surprise to God. God knew what he's got in, in everywhere. And he moved it in this situation. So don't ever look at the Bible and think that these things, you know, don't naturally just kind of put them away or dismiss them. Because God is a big God and he's doing big things. And he's, he's the God that we follow and serve and love. And he wants us to be impacted by his word. So, uh, I spent a lot of time there on the intro. Let's go to point one. First, what does the Bible says about the self? It's very important what the Bible says about itself. In a couple of verses here. 2 Timothy 3.16. In all Scripture is God-breathed. I always stop there... The Scriptures, God-breathed. You know what else is God-breathed? Do you remember in the, in the original creation when God is forming man and he forms Adam? And then what does he do? He breathes into him and he comes alive, spiritual life. And then we lose that at the fall. We've talked about that. But then when you, when you go back to Jesus and what's taking place, and after the resurrection, that very first night, the very first time he could get back to his disciples, he goes to his disciples. You know, like one of the first things he does is he breathes on them. Go read it. Why? Spiritual life happens again. The scripture is God-breathed. It's the very heart of God. And you need to understand that as you dig into it. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible, God breathe, it comes from the very heart of God. Uh, it's useful to teach us truth. It's, it's useful to make us aware of problems and situations. It corrects our thinking and our actions. It teaches us what is right. It, it prepares us for how to live today. Even though it's thousands of years old, it perfectly fits in today. And the Holy Spirit takes it and uses it in our lives to show us how we're supposed to live. Here's another one, Hebrews 4.12 for the word of god is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates uh, even to dividing soul uh, and and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart the bible the word it's alive it's like no other book uh, because it's amazing i've read the bible many times i read it every day and and constantly i'm amazed and how often it just speaks to me at that moment and how things happen because it's alive and, and it's active and it moves in us. It's powerful. Um, it, it, it's words cut very right down to our spirit and soul. It, it's word exposes our thoughts and our desires, both good and bad. This is what the scripture does for us. See, the Bible's not just a book. It's the very heart of God and God reveals himself in the Bible. So I wanted you to do a couple of things practically with that being said. I I want you to read it like you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's point number two. See, too many people sort of... Somehow the Bible becomes duty or obligation and it loses its life. And that's the enemy who's behind all that. He wants you not to read because he, he doesn't... Two things I know for a fact he doesn't want you. There's a lot of things. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. That's why those things come under so much trouble all the time. So I, I want you to think about sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, here's how you do that. God has given you a holy imagination. God is he's, he's amazing, right? He created us and he's given us those things. Holy imagination is one of them. How you tend to use your holy imagination, a lot of times a lot of you will relate to this. Here's a situation that some of you are really good at. You'll have a problem and what you'll do is you will worry that problem into about a hundred different possibilities. Your, your imagination is so amazing. You can take a thing and you can, you can all of a sudden then have all these other things that you think could possibly happen. And then you'll start thinking about what you might do in case any of those situations happens. And these are things that haven't happened and most likely are never going to happen. And yet you have this imagination that's spitting out in there and taking care of that. Well, what God wants you to do is he wants you to use that imagination for his purposes. And one of the things that you can do is, I, is you actually I want you to see yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you go to read the Bible. So it becomes not about words on a page, but an encounter with, with Jesus sitting at his very feet. I, and, you know, the picture I, I think about all the time is about Mary and uh, Luke 10:39. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So it's just a picture of, of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And listen, it's like this appointment you make with him. Uh, to spend time with him and you're just going to go and you're going to sit at his feet and you're going to listen for what he has to say through through the word. It's just you and Jesus and you listen to him. Third, there's this thing that we've talked about here before. I call it illuminated reading. And that's where we invite the Holy Spirit to show us what he needs us to see in the scripture and in the Bible. And he does. It's part of what he does. Now, I, I didn't grow up As a believer, we never went to church, as I can remember as a kid. And I first heard uh, about the gospel when I was 18, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I had a roommate at college who had invited this guy in who wanted to tell us about Jesus. And I just completely, I basically was like, so uh, a very mature, less like now, and (laughs) didn't listen. But but the summer before that year in college and the summer after, uh, I worked in Midland, Michigan on a power plant because I I was going to be an engineer, I thought and I was going to an engineering school and I met there on this job site a man named Bob Miller uh, and Bob Miller was very kind to me uh, we worked in the same sort of office and um, so so I was by myself living at this place and I used to rent a room for seven dollars a night I remember very clearly in this house I didn't have kitchen privileges so what I would do is and in the evening after work I would go to Pizza Hut and they had a three or four dollar buffet all you can eat and I would I would get 24 hours worth of food while I sat there for four bucks. I'd just fill up till I couldn't move, and then I would be good till the next night. I was surviving that way anyway. But this particular lunchtime at work, Bob Miller had two sandwiches, and he noticed that I wasn't eating lunch, and he said to me, Would you like, I have two sandwiches, would you like one? I said, Sure, I would love to have a sandwich. And he gave me a sandwich. And I can tell you, every day after that, that I was there, he brought in a sandwich for me. Now, I always call that first one the big sacrifice, because every day after that, he brought three sandwiches to work. So he still got his too, but he, so it's a big deal, right? And you know, food's a big deal. You you can tell food's a big deal to me here. We do food everywhere. It's a kindness thing. And so he, he was kind to me and he was a strong believer. And I, I, I wasn't, I was the opposite. And, and yet he showed this kindness to me, even inviting me to his home almost once a week to his wife and his kids. And they would have me for a real meal. And, uh, you know, I was still pretty young, but you know, I was all full of myself. And, uh, it was a big deal because I was a mess he, that he would bring me out. His family was big and he would talk to me a little about Jesus. And I, the sandwiches was giving him a little wiggle room, but not a whole lot. And uh, on that second summer, uh, I was involved in an accident on the job site. And uh, where it was, you know, it was a tragedy. And, and yet, miraculously, I was taken out, of, taken out of that incident. Where Everybody else was actually pulled out of this tank, the big thing, by a crane. I came out on the ladder Um, after being sort of out for quite a while. And somebody had come up this very narrow ladder with me, on on the side of me. And I I was the only one that came out without having to get rushed to the hospital or anything. And I remember asking the safety team, who was it that brought me out? I want to thank them. Nobody was on the side of me. They were worried I was going to crash back in on all the people that ended up in this thing. But I know for a fact somebody took me out of the tank. I can, from today, I can still... That was still very fresh. And so at that moment, I went from pretty much not believing in God to totally believing that there was God. Something had happened. Significant. I knew it had happened. And so Bob Miller was the only one I knew I could talk about that. So I went and said to him about that. He said, come to my house. Let's talk about this. We had dinner. And and so at eight o'clock that night, I remember clearly we sat down and he started to talk to me about Jesus he presented the gospel to me we went through the bible together that, for about 4 hours and you know it was getting late and we had work to do and stuff the next day and so at around midnight he gets me to that spot and he says listen this is you, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus that's what life is all about that's what this whole thing is all about and i i, I got to tell you i thought about it pretty hard but i couldn't figure out how Christians had any fun as a 19 year old male from where i was and so i said no I said, no, but I can't do that. And what he did was he handed me his Bible at that moment. That was 40 years ago. This is that Bible. I know. It's pretty cool, right? So so I only bring this in when I know I'm going to tell this story. Otherwise, it sits sort of in a place where I I can look at it. it's still got his, you know, it's fascinating. It, it's not just a Bible he had laying around extra. This is his, his family information all in here. He's got notes everywhere. Stuff that he'd learned is highlighted all over the place. He gave me his Bible. And over those next few years, um, I, I, rough season of my life, that next six years, not knowing Jesus. Good things happened. I met Alice and we got married. Every now and again, though, I would try and read this book. I would sit down and think there was something in me pulling me, you know, and, and uh, he, he does that. But it never made sense to me. I would get frustrated trying to read it. Just like, what in the world's going on? Well, there's a process that's taking place when that happens and why that happens. So here's what happens. See, the problem's never with the Bible. It's with me. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, "...the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit." So trying to read this without the help of the Holy Spirit, it just it never made sense to me. It was like foolishness. At 25 years old, I, I did give my life to Jesus, finally made that decision, and, and uh, began to follow Him. And I've told you this, when you come to know Jesus, one of the things that happens is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. It's part of the, part of the deal. Well, all of a sudden, I started to read the Bible, and guess what? I started to make sense. The Bible hadn't changed. I had and the Holy Spirit then does what the Holy Spirit does. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what is yet to come in the process. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the scripture. It's what he does. That's why I call it that. And and so before our relationship with Jesus, our, are, our minds are clouded by sin, but then we come to know him and the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to demonstrate and to show us through the scripture who God is and, and how much God loves us and what it means to us Paul said this again in Ephesians 1 17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better and I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy uh, people so so here's the practical side of this here's what I want you to do brand new year great time to get an opportunity to start I I don't want to put on you some sort of um, hard fitting ill fitting Bible reading plan that won't work for you and you'll get frustrated with what I want you to do is I want you to go God I I want to know you better and I want you to, to use your holy imagination and set aside a time every day where you're going to sit at the feet of Jesus picture it you're going to sit at the feet and you're going to pray Holy Spirit would you show me what you want me to see in the scripture today. And when you do that, almost every time while you're reading, something will pop out of you of the scripture. For me, it's almost like it gets highlighted and it pops out. And then, then what I do is I pray about that passage. I I think about it. I study it. If I don't understand it, I I write it and I I dig into it until I do understand it. And I I look at it in context and I don't let something I don't understand, you know, push me into making decisions about it. Well, it can't be. What is it, God, that you want me to see? Why is this in here? Why is it important? And I hang on to it. There were some years back, I I spent three years every Sunday talking about a verse that did that to me. Do you want to get well in the scripture? People are going crazy. Are we ever going to talk about anything else? I don't know. Let me figure this one out. We'll go from there. Sometimes that just happens and you dig into it. And, and that's what I want to encourage you to do, that, that you, you make that decision and you, you pray that little prayer. And you set aside a time, this appointment with Jesus every day and watch what he'll do in your life. It'll change you. It will. And that's this whole idea about this new idea that we have as we go through. Don't let that be taken from you and don't take God and make him manageable. He's not. He's 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 God. You can't manage him but but he loves you like this amazing love and he wants you to know him better and so that's how we do it. it's one of the ways we do it so that's my encouragement as we start this new year to dig in and in this series i'm going to be stretching us i hope a little we're going to look at things i'm going to need you to read the book because there's some amazing things that are in here that you need to get a hold of to change us forever so that's where we're headed with that and i'm going to finish right there for today ministry team those here why don't you head over to the wall People on the way over there are here to pray for you, and if you need prayer for anything today, they'll make sure that you get it. They'll pray for your healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. But let me pray for you as a group, and then we can have breakfast. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. You're such an awesome God. And thank you for your word. And God, help us to, this year, just embrace it in in ways perhaps we never have. To see it as an opportunity to know you more. To, to look forward to it, Lord. To 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 understand how how amazing it is that you've given us the Bible. And Holy Spirit, illuminate your scripture to us. Lead us and teach us and guide us and change us. And Lord, not only we would be changed, but it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring, we a revival and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray... For every church in this area, God, where your word is preached, and ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you need. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today too. That's where everything starts. And it's, it's really a matter of humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken. Like all the rest of us here, you've sinned. Ask God to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, invite and accept Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. You could pray a prayer that way or you can go over and ask somebody over there. Hey, will you? I want to know Jesus and let them pray with you. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in to the 11 o'clock service, God. You are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures near below. Praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And in good voice today. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast will be in the back as you go. Drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.